Are you in a common law marriage? Or maybe you thought you were in a common law marriage and you just don't know, but you're facing what would be a divorce with someone if you are declared in a common law marriage. This is a very confusing little puddle for us to dissect today. And um, I brought a guest in from Harris Law from here in Colorado. His name is Rich Harris, and he's a lawyer, and he is going to explain and demystify what is common law marriage and, you know, where is it? It's only in eight states. And to me, I always knew and thought this before I became a divorce coach, that if you live together, and I don't know where the seven years came in, I, I thank God it was just what I was told many, many years ago. If you live together more than seven years, you're a common law. That is not true. And so, um, you know, the, the challenge comes when one of the parties, doesn't matter how long you've been together, decides, no, we're not common law. And then the, um, the, the courts have to decide first, is it common law? And there's a lot of things that define it. There's a lot of challenges that you may face. And there's a lot of questions that you need answered. So today we're going to talk about, you know, uh, what defines common law? What are the advantages of, of being able to proceed if you get it declared that you were in a common law marriage? Um, we're also going to look at what states recognize it. So you can know right off the bat, oh my gosh, we don't even have that law. What now? Uh, the complications. And we're going to go through all of the different parts that you need to know and the advantages and disadvantages of it. So let's go welcome Rich and get all this stuff in your head, because if you are going through what you would perceive as a common law divorce, you've got to know the rules. You've got to know where you are, what happens next, and we're going to hear it all from Rich. So let's go welcome him. Welcome, Rich. I'm so happy that you are here. Well, thank you, Tracy. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, well, you did this topic on one of your webinars recently, and I I learned so much. And I'm like, my people need to hear this. And, um, you know, common law marriage it has a big misconception about it. And um, to me, I literally always thought if you were married, if you were lived together for seven years, then you were common law. I don't know where that like data came into my brain because I never had to explore it. I never had to learn the rules, right? I never was common law situation. So we just go on what we have heard in our life, but it's defining it as part of the problem, right? The challenge is, is if you think you're common law and your partner decides to challenge it and go, nah, not so much, then it's, it, you can't really get a real divorce. You can't move until you actually get that defined. So, um, as a big disclaimer to everybody here in the audience, there are only eight states in the U.S. that have common law marriage. So they are Colorado, where we are, D.C., Iowa, Kansas, Montana, Texas, and Utah, and New Hampshire. Um, what happens if someone's in a state that doesn't have this? Yeah, great question, Tracy. And, and first of all, let me comment, comment on where you started here. It is very normal for people to have misconceptions about what common law marriage is. In fact, it's it, it's common to this practice area in general. It seems like um, you're far more expert than almost everybody I meet with because you have experience and you speak and write about this stuff. But um, for folks who have not been in the system, 
everybody either has a cousin, a brother, or a dry cleaner who's been through the process, and everybody seems to know what the law says, but there are a lot of misconceptions, and common law is rife with them. Um, yes, Colorado is one of eight states or seven states in the District of Columbia that still has this. It's a dwindling number of states. So the answer I'm about to give could change next year or the year after. Um, if you exist in a state that, that no longer recognizes common law marriage, then you, you cannot be divorced. Um, you're going to need to pursue your state's laws on how to partition assets, um, how to deal with other financial issues and debts. You cannot use the mechanism of the family law system in that state. And I think it's really problematical, particularly for people who've had long-term relationships. Yeah, especially when there's kids and houses involved. Um, the benefits to claiming this. So we we just heard the challenges, right? We know that just like getting it in your state, it's just one of, you know, seven or eight places where this can happen. Um, and then if not, you're going to go through the, the different process to split your assets, your kid time and stuff like that. But what are the benefits if you are able to get that claimed that we're common law marriage? That's what I want people to understand. There's a lot yeah. of benefits to it. Yeah, sure. So for 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 the person that um, uh, wishes to go to family law court, the motivation would be if you're common law married, um, then you get a divorce. And, and in the state of Colorado, it's a divorce or dissolution of marriage, like every single other dissolution of marriage case. And therefore, you're entitled to have the court divide up all the property um, to consider each partner's contributions to the acquisition of that property, um, to divide up all the joint debts, obviously to deal with the kids. And I say, obviously, not as a throwaway comment, because to me, that's the most important part of every case. But that would be part of a divorce to all the child custody issues. And very importantly, one can request maintenance uh, or alimony. It's called alimony in other places, but you can only receive it if you're married, either ceremonial, ceremoniously or via common law. Right. And, and, and I remember too, that if you like had a prenup, okay, like we had a prenup, we're not really married, but we're making this deal ahead of time. And it might've come in as a prenup thinking you might've been getting married. But if you have a prenup, if you do get a divorce, that's enforceable. If it comes out where you're not common law and there's nothing you have there, that prenup might not be able to be, you know, submitted, right? That's exactly right. So um, a prenup or a premarital agreement um, essentially is an agreement about how things will be divided, um, how maintenance is going to be paid, how attorney's fees are going to be covered in the event of a divorce. If the court finds there wasn't a marriage, there was no common law marriage, the prenup is not relevant and it's not binding. And, and that's sort of like I've had clients where they've had that. So that was their safety net, even though they didn't actually have the ceremony and everything. They're like, no, we've got a prenup. I'm all set. And I'm just like, well, maybe not. They've really got I, to check that kind of thing out. Um, and again, this happens in the people with the states that don't have prenup laws as well. I mean, they don't have common law marriage. 
it also might be invalidated in those states when they have to divide the properties out of the box of the divorce. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And one of the thing, I'm glad you raised that point because one of the things we always try and tell people, and you probably counsel your own clients the same way, if you have doubts, mm-hmm. please come see us sooner than later. You don't need to hire a lawyer to get legal advice. You can come in for a consultation. Um, it, it, it's a minimal fee. You come in, we, we look at your stuff, and we can give you a good read at what you're looking at so you don't get blindsided. That's the worst. Absolutely. Uh, as a blindsided person, it wasn't fun. So we also have to know that there's one more thing that um, I think is important is you've been living together for 14 years and you think you're common law, but there, you know, it hasn't been established. Does, does it come into play if they die and there's probate stuff? Like now you're not really their legal heir because you're not, and it wasn't even fought. What happens then? Yeah, great question. So, uh, and an important point, if there is no marriage, there's under Colorado law, there's no automatic right to inherit from a deceased spouse. They're not a spouse. So there's no automatic right to have what we call the spouse's elective share. What that means is if you die today in Colorado without a will, automatically the law protects the surviving spouse. That surviving spouse under Colorado law, with or without a will, is entitled to certain benefits, including the benefit or the right to inherit from the deceased spouse. If you weren't common law married and you don't have a specific will that says the living person or the surviving person gets to inherit, then that person could be really in a horrible financial position especially if they're like commingled in a house and, you know, now they don't have the money to keep on paying it. I mean, it, it becomes probably who owns the other half of that house becomes the battle. Like, you know, do they have children? Do they have other heirs that might go, Hey, you weren't really married to my brother. I want his property. Right. It becomes a huge battle. And these are things people have to understand to protect themselves. Absolutely. And our firm handles this litigation too, the probate litigation. Um, and, and these are really tragic situations. And, and you've you re- referenced somebody that might have been living with the partner for 20 plus years or however long it is. There's no timeline under which that, yes, you're common law married after seven years, after 10, after 20. You might not be married at all. And if, if the, the person dies without a will, if you're not the spouse, it goes to next of kin, which is not you. Yeah, it could be brothers, could be parents, it could be anything, right? So right. people, I, I just was like, oh my God, we got to tell people that. Um, so what are the elements? If if the court is looking, what is the elements that define common law in these little states that we have? You bet. So um, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast here, um, the elements are going to vary state by state. Um what I'm about to talk to you about is the only law I know about is Colorado. So under Colorado law, um, there are basically two elements um, that you have to prove. Number one, that you believed yourself to be married. And number two, and most importantly, this is the big one, that you held yourself out to the community and your peers as husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Now, within those two broad categories, 
there's a lot of specifics the courts are going to look to as evidence that you were were common law married. And I, I'm happy to talk about those. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got that on as another question on page two. So we're going to hit you with that in a second. But are there restrictions? So I, I know that, you know, if you're 16, or that would not, that really wouldn't work. That's not good. But there's an age limit. So you have to be over 18, right? Um, what are the other restrictions? So um, you're right. The, the first set of the restrictions are the restrictions that anybody would have for marrying somebody else. You have to be of age. You have to consent. Um, it can't be bigamous, for example. You can't already be married and not divorced from somebody else. Um, so, so there are those requirements. Um, you also um, do not have an agreement saying you're not married. Believe it or not, people will enter into those agreements, different from a prenup. Mm -hmm. There are agreements, and we've done a couple of these, where people say it's a cohabitation agreement. And we agree that here are the rights if we ever uh, break up our relationship, but we, we agree and affirm that we're not married. If you have one of those, you're probably not common law married either. Right. And to me, when, when I learned that on your podcast and your webinar, I was like, if my kid ever cohabitates with someone, you were writing it up, you know, because I've seen it with, with, you know, clients that, you know, you bought a couch together, you bought this together and all of a sudden you break up and now there's personal property and there's no system to say, and you might end up fighting over the stupid couch and spending more in legal fees than giving it to them. But, you know, it's, it's the younger people in our generation that, you know, cohabitate very often and, and don't get the marriage thing. So for me, I'm like, I'm going to protect my son and make sure if that happens and if they take that step, that there is something in writing because, you know, we just don't want someone going after him, for example. That's right. That's right. I mean, the worst thing that can happen to anybody is a surprise under the law. And the more people can plan, the better off they're going to be. Have those conversations, even if uncomfortable, early rather than later. And, 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 you know, my audience, and, and we may be talking to people that are not in my audience, because this is a legal matter, but my audience is dealing with narcissists, right, where they will fight like rabid dogs over everything. So how common is it that people do sort of challenge the fact that we are not common law? Good question. I don't know the answer to that. And here's why. I get a sort of skewed cross section of people that visit me. The only people that visit me as a lawyer typically are the people where one side is contesting it. Otherwise, they wouldn't need me, right? Exactly. So, so in my practice, and we, we handle these cases all the time, I'm handling a couple of them right now. In every single one of them, one party says they're married, the other party says they're not. And when that, when that happens, the court can't divide anything up. The court can't even consider maintenance until you get over this threshold issue of are they common law married or not. And so that happens in every single one of my cases. Right. Thank you. And that's exactly what people say to me. So aren't there divorces that are nice with narcissists? I'm like, probably, but I don't see them. You know? <laughs> it's like I only see the ones that are having trouble. So I totally understand and respect what you're saying there. Um, one of the other questions that I have for you is, what are the points? There are points if we're challenging it. How do we prove it? Like, uh, uh, you know, oh, I've been here for seven years. We've got a kid. We've got this. What is the court looking for? Not in the people's head of what they've lived with. 
but what's the court? How do we prove it? What are the markers that they're looking for? You bet. So um, about a year ago, the Colorado Supreme Court came out with a case that said there are no specific things you have to have. In other words, you you don't have to cross off A, B, C, and D. Would the court looks at the totality of the circumstance, not any one thing is will carry the day, but the kinds of evidence that that is considered important, that are considered important, include things like, did you file a joint tax return as spouses, a married tax return? Do you have joint bank accounts? Um, do, ha, has the wife, or these days it could be either, have, have you taken the last name of your partner? Um, have you put them on your health insurance um, or other kinds of insurance as a beneficiary spouse? Mm -hmm. uh, how did you introduce your partner to other people? And then believe it or not, we bring in these people as witnesses. Yeah, I saw Sally and Joe and Sally always said, Joe's my husband. Mm -hmm. Those people could be relatives. They could be friends. They could be coworkers. We'll bring in that kind of testimony. Okay. Um, sometimes they sign joint leases as spouses. Um, not any one element is going to carry the day, but the more of these things that you have, um, the more evidence you have on your side of proving the common law marriage. Like even a beneficiary and a life insurance policy is, you know, sort of, again, it's not one, it's a bunch of them. And, and again, then the judge decides. So it, it is as much as you can possibly pull together. Um, for me, my, my, uh, my hairdresser, my old hairdresser many years ago was um, married to her, her partner, her, her female partner, and um, they had a ceremony. There's a wedding album, but it was before legally, the legalization of, you know, gay rights and marriage. Yes. And so her partner challenged it and it got overturned. She had like people, witnesses going, they were at the wedding. Here's our pictures. Here's our album. Here's what happens. We've been living together for 20 years. We have a house. We have 10 dogs, right? Whatever it is, um, it got overturned because it wasn't enough from that list. Right, right. And it's uh, like a lot of things in the family law courts, the judges have a lot of discretion, Tracy. And, and you know, we can't predict what a judge might do on a given day. The more you have, the better. And I've seen those cases too. In fact, um, uh, some of the litigation in this arena comes from same-sex couples because before um, uh, same-sex marriage was legalized in our state, we had situations like that. And the, the law said, well, you could not subjectively believe you were married if legal marriage didn't exist in your state at the time. Now that it does, we go through the same kinds of things for same-sex couples as hetero couples. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Again, I brought her up because it was so impactful. I mean, it it destroyed her life 20 years. And, and my warning to people is, you know, if you're in this situation, start to get that stuff in writing. If this is what you want to do while you're still friends, because when it gets ugly later, that's where the challenges come. Right. So it, it's important for people to see that there are things that they need to understand because the challenges later in getting a divorce or thinking you can get a divorce, split up the kids. It's not that these things can't be done. There is different court systems, right? Like splitting the assets goes this way. Kid stuff goes to that way. That's right. And it's a lot more expensive. 
and awkward and less predictable. The law is really clumsy um, in terms of dividing things up between people that are not married. There are no automatic rules that that we can take advantage of in the family law courts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's again, it's it's getting stuff in writing, and, and even if it's just we're 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 filing joint tax returns because that will help me later. Whatever you can do to move that needle and understand what the list is is going to help. And just so everybody knows, Rich has an amazing um, webinar on his website. We're going to put his URL below his name. Um, go watch his PowerPoint. Go look at all of these points. Don't be naive. And if they make sense, talk to a lawyer because this is something that's very serious and it could affect your life, your children's life. And nobody wants a legal battle. It's it's just never a fun thing. But um, what happens if somebody lives in Colorado, they've been together for all those years, and then they move somewhere else? Like it's legal here. We could have a family divorce because here in Colorado we can, but now they go to New York and they don't have one. What happens then? Great question. So the answer to that will depend on where the case is heard. Um, In this situation, they move to New York. If they establish residency in New York, and then one or the other files for divorce or files for partition in that other state that doesn't recognize common law marriage, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble. And, And they would be wise to get some advice, get some something in writing before they establish residency in a in a new state, because most states have fairly easy requirements to meet to establish residency. Mm-hmm. You move to another state or another country, you could be subject to their laws. Right. Yeah, and that's what I wanted people to know because you think you're safe, and then you move, and then it's it's just the law does not follow you, and we don't want to take that risk. Would a prenup? I know we talked about that for a second a little while ago, but just going, you know, this is what we'll split. This is how we're going to do it, and it's not necessarily a prenup. But that would also be one of the good things that we want to stamp that we have that. But it is if we establish this and go, this is a relationship. And this is how we will divide things. Like we talked about my son when we were using that example. Can we do that like at any point to just give themselves some security for the other partner? I like the way you think, Tracy. You can do it. You should do it. Um, You know, the, the more you can put in writing and establish things like you suggest, while things are amicable, the better. Mm-hmm. And so it's always um, a, a good um, word of advice to get it in writing. Yeah. And 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 I have just one last arena because I, I agree, get that stuff in writing, protect yourself. But here's the other question. If they're actually in court and we've got this list, how do they present to the court? How do they come out there and make themselves credible, if you would, to get this to be proven? Sure, sure. So um the, the person bringing in that evidence, your suggestion is right on. Their credibility is right at issue. Um, and, and, and we we talk to people and try and coach them. And I know you do this, too, about how to present oneself in court and how to be calm and composed and as earnest um, appearing as you can, because um, that, you're right, is a big portion of this in a he said, she said situation. Um, but then once you have all these pieces of evidence, um, you're going to need to present them um, to the court. You're going to need witnesses supporting that evidence. You're going to have the right kinds of paper copies and electronic copies to 
depending on where a case is being heard. Um, we think a lot of people can and should represent themselves. Not everybody needs a lawyer. But if you're trying to litigate a common law marriage issue, I, it really behooves you to get a lawyer. These are complex cases. It's one of the most com complex cases that we handle in our practice. Um, so they're not easy and you probably need help. And the more complications are with property, with kids, I mean, it, it is something that you do not want to do alone because it's your children's future. For sure. I mean, and we tell people that um, a lot of our practice is fixing the mistakes from people that weren't represented the first time or who were represented by but by somebody who didn't know what they're doing, which is tragic. Um, you want to do it right the first time. Yes, legal fees can be expensive, but not nearly as expensive as what you're going to deal with to try and undo mistakes you made. Love that piece of advice. And and it's like exactly what people need to know. You know, spend now or spend later. Which would you like? <laughs> because it's really about if we get it in writing, if we make the things as legalified as we can, we won't get into that, like as you said, complicated case. And complicated case has another word, expensive. You know, the That's more right. we have to deal with, the, the more pain it's going to be. So if we get something in writing, if we're not going to go get married and just put that in writing, here's how we'll split the house up. Here's what we'll do with the kids. Here's what we'll do with the dog. We start to lay out those financial pieces as well so that if this ever happens and you do break up, that you're not in a war. And when, when someone's with a narcissist, I can tell you it's always a war, at least the people that you and I see, right? <laughs> I'm sure there's people along, but we haven't found them. Um, is there anything that we've missed that you want to tell the people about just... Well, thank you, Tracy. This has been really comprehensive. Um, I just would like to reiterate, get, get some advice, um, get stuff in writing, save yourself the heartache down the road, um, and see us sooner than later, because we can help you plan. We can help hopefully give you peace of mind as well. Uh, there's there's a very high cost on peace of mind. And, you know, you can't put money to that. It's It's just, I don't feel safe or I've got this and I'm protected and that makes a difference. So thank you so much. How can people find you? Thanks for asking. Um, the easiest place is just to find us on the web. It's www.harrisfamilylaw.com. People can also call us 303-515-5000. Um, and, and call if you just have questions. And anybody who calls and says they were referred by you or your listeners, Tracy, We'll make sure they get a free consultation. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. That's an amazing offer. Um, everybody check out his site. I'm going to put his website and his phone number and his podcast, his webinar. I keep calling it a podcast. Um, uh, it, it's, they do them every single Wednesday and I get an email and it's like, there's something coming up, you know, tonight. And I'm very excited about it. It's just a way for you to learn. And you can go back and listen to interviews that you and I did together, as well as all of the ones that have been so valuable to so many people. So thank you for what you do and that you're sharing your knowledge and you're not just trying to take their money. You're going, here's what we need to do. Let me help you. So I am so grateful for you to join me today and you know, I'm sure we will see each other again soon. Thank you, Tracy. And I'd, I'd extend likewise thanks to you. you. do such great work. And you work in one of the most um, difficult arenas dealing with narcissists. I do it sometimes. And it's it's a killer. It drives me nuts. But I, I, 
I help as best I can. You do it all the time, and I admire that. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. Take care. Hi, everybody. I hope that you found that helpful. Um, I realized about halfway through that um, it was just one single head, and then I went to two heads, so sorry about that. Um, sometimes I have that set up for when I'm with clients. I don't want to see my head, and I didn't remember to unhook that thing. So forgive me for that. might be a little in the beginning, but then we get to see his face all the time. So again, I'm sorry about that. But if this was helpful for you, please subscribe to my channel. I am constantly finding experts like Rich. He is brilliant and his law firm just offered you a free consultation. So um, I hope that this works for you. If it does, please subscribe to my channel. And if you are looking for a divorce coach, especially with a narcissist, you can find the information on my website, NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. I help people in every situation and I'm constantly educating myself as taking his webinars when I can and learning a little bit more so that I can bring information to you or help my clients. So this is Tracy Malone. Thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you again next time.